0: what's happening in the world coming up on NTD news first our top stories floridians are taking shelter without power and two have died as a result of hurricane adalia we bring you the latest adalia hit the coast as a category 3 hurricane early this morning now the storm surge is breaking records what made this storm so powerful 32,000 affected veterans 5-year waits with no action The Department of Veteran Affairs could have some explaining to do to Americans on problems with processing disability claims. The Chinese Communist Party trying to influence people online in the U.S., Facebook deleting thousands of accounts tied to the world's largest disinformation campaign. And a rare blue supermoon is set to light up the sky tonight, and it will be the biggest and brightest moon of the year. Find out what makes this night special. Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, Hurricane Idalia. Two people have died and over 260,000 Floridians are without power. Flooding is higher than a person in some areas. We hear the latest from weather authorities and local officials. We're expecting a Dahlia to move quickly. The forward speeds almost 20 miles an hour now, so it's not going to have a whole lot of time to weaken as it moves inland across North Georgia, North Florida and into Southeast Georgia. So we have hurricane warnings in places like Gainesville, Valdosta, all the way up to Savannah and Hilton Head. So we're going to be substantial inland wind uh, event with this storm.
1: We know that there's parts of Georgia and South Carolina that are prone to catastrophic inland flooding, and so people need to still listen to their local officials and uh, listen to what they're telling them to do to make sure that they're making sure that they can stay safe during this storm as it passes through. we're mainly concerned with is the same thing that you're experiencing up in Crystal River, uh, that we have flooding, extensive flooding along our coast right now. We have about 126 miles of waterfront land here in Tampa, and that is only going to rise. We're at uh, low tide, the tide's coming in. We expect that king high tide around noon to one, and that's gonna bring in several additional feet of water. We are encouraging citizens, of course. Uh, we expect power outages. Uh, but again our providers are working around the clock to shore up our uh, utilities we're, we're advising people again to uh, to stay away from
0: downed power lines uh very important idalia is now a category two system it briefly grew into a category four just before landfall now storm surge could rise as high as 16 feet in some places and has already broken records Some counties are under curfew to keep residents off roads. And shelters are housing thousands who evacuated from the hardest-hit areas. The storm is now heading into Georgia. It's projected to re-enter the ocean along the South Carolina coast late tonight. Some of the warmest water on the planet fueled Hurricane Adalia as it careened toward Florida. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest on how the hurricane got so intense.
2: Hurricane Adalia has been feeding off the Gulf of Mexico's warm waters for days. Hurricane researcher Phil Klotzbach explains how. It's
1: 88, 89 degrees over where the storm's going to be tracking, so that's effectively rocket fuel for the storm. So basically, if you don't have the sheer kind of tamping stuff down, you have effectively extremely hot water um, that's been untapped by storms this year, you know, it's, it's basically all systems go.
2: A hurricane gets stronger as it approaches the coast but storms usually lose strength after they make landfall.
1: And obviously Katrina was horrible, but it was weakening as it came on shore. And that was kind of the, the old way storms behaved in the Northern Gulf, but recently we've seen a lot of these storms rapidly intensifying up up to, or almost up to the point of landfall.
2: Hurricanes in the last few years have gotten stronger as they approached the coast, Adalia too.
1: Obviously we saw Ida, that was up to the point of landfall. Laura was pretty much up to, almost up to the point of landfall. Harvey was rapidly intensifying pretty much up to the point of landfall. We've seen a lot of these, even Hurricane Sally, a lot of these storms, not every storm, but a lot of these ones kind of spinning up right up to they slammed on shore.
2: Models suggest the storm will then head into the Atlantic Ocean. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The Federal Emergency Management Agency says remaining money in the federal government's Disaster Relief Fund will be prioritized for a string of recent and anticipated disasters.
3: So today, I am directing the implementation of immediate needs funding.
1: This means that FEMA will prioritize available funding for critical response efforts to Edalia, the Maui fires, and any other extreme
3: weather events that may come our way.
0: Agency Administrator Deanne Criswell said funds would go towards Hurricane Idalia, as well as Maui's wildfires. She said the funding would also be used for any other extreme weather events coming our way. The announcement comes after agency officials warned the disaster relief fund could dry up within weeks without additional congressional action. But lawmakers are not set to return back to the Capitol until September 4th. Criswell says the current measures are a temporary solution. Funding for long-term recovery projects and hazard mitigation projects will be put on hold until Congress takes action. That will ensure the agency has enough money on hand for its disaster release funds. Criswell noted that the agency has requested $12 billion from Congress to get them through to the end of the fiscal year. The agency will start to move some of its recovery projects, delaying them until the next fiscal year. It is not yet clear if Congress will agree to pass the additional disaster funding. It's tied together in a bill that also seeks more than $40 billion for Ukraine. Heading to Hawaii, rescuers have all but finished searching for the victims of the deadly wildfire. Authorities say it's unclear how many people have perished.
4: We have wrapped up almost completely the search and recovery mission and moving into the next phase. That next phase is with the EPA doing the hazardous waste removal.
5: The urban search and rescue, like we briefed before,
6: they completed 100% of their area. We have that last remaining 1%, which was the ocean. We have four miles that the FBI is going out right now, and they're going to go 200 yards out. No human remains have been found by the search crews uh, since they've been there.
0: Maui Police Chief John Pelletier said every effort is being made to ensure the search is complete. He asked for trust and patience as officials continue to identify remains. There are 110 missing persons reported, and more than 50 of those are open cases. Officials say rescue priorities are shifting to removing hazardous materials and making the area safe for residents to return blood thinners and diabetes medicines could become less expensive. The Biden administration includes them on the list of the first 10 drugs up for price negotiations with Medicare. To understand how this could impact American small business, I spoke with Javier Palomares. Javier Palomares, thank you for joining us. Good to have you back on the show.
6: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: Javier, will these cost reductions make a noticeable difference in the financial health of small businesses?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this is historic. It's the first time in history that Medicare can negotiate directly with pharmaceutical companies on on the price of of, of, of their drugs. Uh, this is obviously a big win for the Biden administration. It's a big win for small business. Ultimately, I think it's a big win for uh, all Americans. Uh, and there's some significant implications, particularly when I look at the Hispanic community, you know, the diseases that plague the Hispanic community, things that come to mind are are diabetes and, and heart disease. Uh, of the ten drugs that will be impacted, four of them are meant to treat diabetes, and two of them uh, will treat uh, heart disease. But I think it's important, Chris, that we that we uh, fight the urge to villainize anybody in this process. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago. That uh, that we were praising this very industry uh, during the height of COVID, we were praising this very industry for coming to the rescue. So I'm hopeful that the pharmaceutical industry and our government can uh, come to terms with each other and and work together for the betterment uh, of the American people. At the end of the day, we need to make sure that we allow the industry the resources it needs to continue to create and innovate these life-saving drugs.
0: Talk to us a bit about the effect these cuts will have on the ability of small businesses to attract and keep new talent.
6: Yeah, this is uh, this is huge for small businesses. I said, you know, healthcare, as you well know, is a critical part of a uh, small business expenses. Uh, when you own the small business, you you typically you subsidize your employees' health coverage uh, to include uh, prescription drugs. This will uh, obviously. Lower the amount spent on these prescription drugs, uh, and that's going to reduce the cost per employee for, for the employer. Uh, you know, that's a benefit uh, when, when, when it comes to not only attracting, but retaining the best talent you can for your little business. So, this is, a, this is a big win for American small business.
0: Now, I'm just wondering, do you think that these drug companies could pass these cost cuts onto the consumer in some other way?
6: You know, I'm hopeful that 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 doesn't happen. There are obviously several players in the supply chain. Uh, but listen, we are the wealthiest country uh, on the globe. Uh, yet we pay two hundred and fifty percent more uh, than people in comparable countries uh, when it comes to life-saving medications. So um, you know, we need to we need to figure that out. And oftentimes these very medications, these medicines, are created right here in America. The drugs that are subject to negotiation uh, are are you know, the kinds of drugs that literally, you know, 60, 70 million Americans need right now. And so this is a boon for the American people. And it will improve, uh, I think, the lives of countless Americans.
0: Javier Palomares, founder and CEO of the U.S. Hispanic Business Council. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, Chris. Have a good day. Coming up, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton responds to a journalist who said the impeached official is planning to resign before his trial. We'll have that and more after the break. Welcome back. You serve your country, become disabled, and file a claim. But most probably didn't bank on the next step being a five-year wait without any action. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the problem the Department of Veterans Affairs is blaming on a technical glitch.
7: Around 32,000 veterans across the country have faced delays in getting their disability claims processed. Some claims submitted online go back as far as 2018. Veteran Affairs Press Secretary Terrence Hayes says claims were not automatically routed for processing after submission due to a website problem. Hayes says they implemented a solution in February and have identified all the affected veterans, adding that benefits could be backdated to the original filing date once approved. The department's disability claims processing came under scrutiny last year. That was during an investigation by its Office of Inspector General which found inefficiencies The review estimated that the required procedures were not followed in about 68% of cases from October 2020 to September 2021. The VA has long faced challenges with regard to its aging IT infrastructure. This year alone, multiple issues have plagued operations. In April, the department was forced to halt the launch of its electronic health records system at a Michigan facility due to technical issues. The system was earlier launched at various other facilities. However, medical providers complained that using it was too challenging. It is also blamed for causing patient care delays and risking their lives. Back in November, lawmakers had raised concerns that the system's complexity may have led to the deaths of two veterans. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Could Trump be in trial as soon as October? The district attorney in the Georgia election case again stated she wants all 19 defendants to have the same trial date, and two of them have requested a speedy trial. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis originally proposed March 4, 2024 as the trial date. That's the day before Super Tuesday, which is now the trial date for Trump's federal election case. But in Georgia, defendant Kenneth Cheesebro demanded his right to a speedy trial and the judge set his date for October 23rd. In a potential blow to Willis, the judge said the date doesn't apply to the other defendants at the moment. So Willis reiterated her position yesterday and requested all 19 defendants be tried together. Defendant Sidney Powell has also requested a speedy trial. But if the defendants are to be tried on separate dates, the court has to go through a process called severance. Willis argued that there hasn't been any severance requests yet. Former President Trump said he would introduce a motion to sever his case from those seeking a PD trial. Other defendants are expected to do the same. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton denies rumors that he would resign before his upcoming impeachment trial. The response comes after a journalist's post on X. Quorum Report editor Scott Braddock posted that there were rumors the suspended attorney general would resign to avoid the trial. He said the Texas Lieutenant Governor might have secretly told Paxton the trial won't go well for him. Paxton responded on X that he would not resign and would never stop fighting for the people of Texas and defending the state's conservative values. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is president of the Senate and will reside over the impeachment trial. He denied the story and called the journalists post outrageous and irresponsible. AG Paxton was impeached in May and suspended without pay over allegations he tried to block a federal investigation into a real estate developer. The real estate developer allegedly bankrolled a home remodel for Paxton and his wife and provided a job to the woman accused of having an affair with Paxton in exchange for his protection. The trial is set to begin September 5th. Thousands of social media accounts are being linked to the world's largest disinformation campaign, the driving force behind it, the Chinese Communist Party, and its machinations to change people's opinions on China.
8: Facebook and Instagram parent company Meta says it uncovered a disinformation campaign with ties to Chinese law enforcement. The company took down more than 7,700 Facebook accounts and over 900 pages. Meta tied these accounts to a previous disinformation campaign called Spamouflage. The company made the announcement in its new quarterly threat report, saying, Taken together, we estimate Spamouflage to be the largest known cross-platform covert influence operation to date. Accounts tied to the spamouflage Network usually publish posts praising China while criticizing the U.S. and American policies. One example is a text regarding the origins of COVID, which was translated into eight different languages and published in separate posts. The English version of the post read, Great clue. Suspicious U.S. seafood received before the outbreak at Huanan Seafood Market. However, these accounts don't seem to be very successful. Meta told CNBC these operations are big. But they're clumsy, and what we're not seeing is any real sign that they're building authentic audiences on our platform or elsewhere on the Internet. In its quarterly threat report, Meta also said it found ill-intended activity from Russian accounts. The company reportedly blocked thousands of malicious website domains, as well as attempts to run fake accounts and pages. Those accounts were focused mostly on changing people's perception of the Russia-Ukraine war.
0: Coming up, don't fall prey to the number one text message scam. And as the amount of caffeine contained in the latest energy drinks increases, some are worried how it could affect children. We'll have the details soon when we return. Thanks for staying with us. US job openings continued to drop for a third month. The figure is now below 9 million for the first time since early 2021. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Job openings fell to 8.8 million last month from 9.1 million in June. The Federal Reserve has actually been hoping for more slack in the labor market. The imbalance between worker demand and supply could cause wages to rise that could ultimately cause an increase in inflation. U.S. financial regulators greenlit new rules to prepare large and regional banks for possible failure. One rule requires banks with at least $100 billion in assets to issue around $70 billion in new long-term debt. That would help absorb losses if they become at risk of becoming insolvent. Another draft rule would force banks to disclose more details on how they could be safely managed if they were to fail. The rules were approved by officials at the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the Federal Reserve, and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. It comes in the wake of three bank failures earlier this year, but they still need to be finalized after the agency's review industry feedback. What's the number one text message scam that's putting your hard earned money at risk? Here with me live is my friend and colleague, NTD Businesses Don Ma. How are you today, Don?
9: I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So, what's the number one text scam? All right, you ready, Chris? The most reported text message scam, according to the Federal Trade Commission, is bank impersonations. Um, So reports of bank impersonations by techs in 2022 jumped to 20 times the number reported compared to 2019, Chris. Are people actually falling for these scams? You know, unfortunately, a lot of people are, and it's not just bank impersonations. According to the FTC, consumers reported a loss of more than $330 million to text message scams in 2022. And the thing is, cash lost because of bank fraud or scams isn't covered by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or, or the National Credit Union administration.
0: What tactics are scammers using to get people on these scams?
9: Yeah, great question, Chris. Um, so, text message scammers will try to make you feel like action is required immediately. It could come as an urgent text message warning warning you to call or click on a link uh, because of alleged suspicious activity. Uh, Major banks were popular choices, it seems like, for scammers to impersonate in 2022. According to the FTC, the most common scam text messages often claim to be from large banks. That's like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, Citibank. And here's one particular kind of tech scam. It resulted in a median loss of $3,000 in 2022, according to the FTC. And it goes something like this. You get a text message from someone impersonating your bank, uh, instructing you to reply with a yes or no to confirm or deny a suspicious, suspicious transaction. And then once you've replied, the scammer will call you under the guise of trying to help you. But their ultimate goal was to try to either fraudulently transfer money out of your account or obtain personal information like a social security number.
0: Now Don, some of these scams are pretty obvious, but some aren't. How do we identify them and how do we avoid falling
9: prey to them? Right, another great question. So, with any decision about your finances, avoid taking actions when you feel scared, stressed, or pressured this is really a key rule of thumb here don't make money moves under pressure your bank will not use pressure tactics against you and here's another tip and this one is is an important one don't click on any links that are texted to you always confirm what the text message is telling you by going to official websites uh, whether that's your bank website or a postal service website and, and finally, if a text message is, is telling you to call a number or respond to it, just don't do that. I'll always double check anything you find suspicious. But if in the event you should happen to fall for a text scammer impersonating your bank, alert your bank of the incident and make sure no money leaves your account fraudulently. All right. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Chris. Pediatricians and parents
0: are worried about new high-caffeine energy drinks. They want the government to treat them like alcohol and cigarettes, and ban their sale to minors. A single-serving can contains as much caffeine as six Coca-Colas. Prime Energy launched this year with 200 milligrams of caffeine, it exceeds permissible caffeine levels in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Rival products like Ghost Energy and Kim Kardashian's Kim Aid have just as much caffeine. The American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry says there is no proven safe dose of caffeine for children. Dr. Holly Benjamin at the University of Chicago said side effects could include rapid or irregular heartbeat, headaches, seizures, shaking, upset stomach, and adverse effects on mental health. The Food and Drug Administration is currently reviewing a request by Senator Senator Chuck Schumer to investigate the caffeine content in Prime Energy, as well as its marketing to kids. Prime co-founders and social media stars Logan Paul and KSI have said they aren't marketing their drinks to kids. They say retailers should police sales to minors. Fourteen million people are likely to pass through airports this Labor Day weekend, capping off the busiest air travel summer on record. The Transportation Secretary Administration is expecting 11% more travelers than last year. Most are forecast to travel on Friday, but don't think you're going to beat the crowds by heading out of town a day early. Thursday actually has the most flights scheduled of any day over the long weekend, The biggest monkey wrench this year is Hurricane Idalia. Tampa's airport is closed and the storm could also bring treacherous travel conditions to other cities in the southeast. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Coming up, the U.S. Commerce Secretary says China is uninvestable to the business community. Her remarks come amid heightening tensions between Washington and Beijing. And for more than one month, a former Taiwanese soldier has been trekking through his homeland on foot. He has a special message to get out. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. Hurricane Adalia is heading through northern Florida and into Georgia, now as a Category 1 storm. Two deaths have been reported since its landfall as a Category 3 hurricane. More than 260,000 Floridians are without power. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis again seeking to expedite the trial of all 19 defendants in the 2020 election case. She wants the same trial date on October 23rd. And Veterans Affairs revealed a glitch in their website led to delays for tens of thousands of veterans to get their disability claims processed, some waiting several years. The department says it's working out another system. China is uninvestable to the business community. That's what Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is saying to high-level Chinese authorities on her trip there. She says the Biden administration doesn't want to decouple from China despite that. Let's hear from Grant Newsham, senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, about the circumstances surrounding Ramondo's trip. Grant Newsham, thank you for joining us. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is in China saying the business community views China as uninvestable. Tell us about why she's making these remarks.
4: Well, she's stating the obvious, and this is something that was obvious probably 10, 20 years ago. Uh, The Chinese government has put up such obstacles to American companies, any company, foreign company, trying to do business in China, uh, that it's very difficult to really do business the way we know it. Uh, Consider it uh, in the Chinese markets is basically like a Ponzi scheme run by the mafia. As I said, this was obvious a long time ago. I remember hearing a prominent uh, person in a a well-known Western financial firm say this about seven or eight years ago. His main point was, there's no property rights in China, the corruption is just too much, and the government wants to do you in and replace you with a Chinese company. How does this affect U.S. investment in China then? Well. U.S. investment in China is slowing, but at the same time, it seems as though these people simply will not learn their lessons. Uh, They are still pushing for uh, investment, for staying in the Chinese market. It's this lure of selling one of something to every one of the 1.4 billion Chinese people. As I said, if they haven't figured this out by now, uh, shareholders ought to be bringing lawsuits against uh, the CEOs of these companies that have put them into this uh, dangerous a market where everything is at risk and at the whim of the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Now US China relations more broadly have deteriorated over the past year. I mean if we look at China's aggressive stance toward Taiwan as well as the spy balloon incident, how are these political circumstances affecting US trade in China?
4: Well, I would say the U.S.-China relationship hasn't been very good, at least for a long time, certainly since uh, Mr. Trump came in. Uh, once the Americans actually kind of stood up, uh, the relations didn't get very—didn't uh, get any better. They did get worse. But this all directly affects U.S. business. Uh, U.S. business is in China at the sufferance of the Chinese Communist Party and to provide the necessary foreign exchange, technology, and know-how. To allow the Chinese Communist Party to develop its economy and to paper over huge fissures in the Chinese economy, Chinese society. When 500 million Chinese are still living on five bucks a day, uh, the Chinese uh, sort of economic miracle looks a lot less like an economic miracle, but it has by and large been funded by Westerners and other foreigners, particularly the Japanese. Now, Ramondo is also saying the
0: Biden administration is not planning on decoupling from China. Um, despite these circumstances we're talking about, if not decoupling, what are they planning on doing?
4: Well, hopefully, it's at least to de- disentangle, uh, to get out of this uh, mess that is the Chinese market. It is the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, at least they should be doing that. Uh, the idea seems to be, well, if we're talking, if we have communication, we understand each other. Uh, that's good. And it's a very American way of looking at things. But the Chinese are as smart as us, if not smarter. And they understand exactly what's going on, why we're concerned. And they don't want us to put any restrictions on doing business with China, because it hurts. So the administration's trying to have it both ways, is to sort of you know, be a little tough on China, but at the same time, show them that we want to be friends. Uh, but this is a circle that can't be squared. The Chinese Communist Party's objectives are ultimately to dominate the United States, and that's putting it nicely.
0: Grant Newsham, Senior Fellow at the Center for Security Policy, thank you again.
4: Well, Thanks for having me. Dressed in
0: camouflage and holding a plastic rifle, a former Taiwanese soldier has been traversing Taiwan on foot for over a month, bringing one message along with him. Here's his story.
10: Dressed in camouflage and holding a plastic rifle, this former Taiwanese soldier has a new mission. Tsai Dongling is 22 years old and was discharged from the army in July. Since then, he has been traveling around his homeland with one message for his compatriots. Be prepared for war.
11: I am touring Taiwan in military attire and full gear. I hope through this i can encourage people to participate in national defense increase counter-enemy awareness so that taiwan can avoid the impact brought on by war to make taiwan better
4: tai's
11: initiative
10: comes amid rising tensions with china china which claims taiwan as its own territory has stepped up its military activity trying to force the democratically-rude island to accept Beijing's sovereignty. Tsai takes the threats from China seriously, and he wants other people to have the same level of awareness.
11: I want people to be prepared, prepare for war with a goal. Everyone should know who is the enemy. We need to see this clearly, and to come together with our diverse opinions, be united and move forward with the same goal. When we face a dictator country, the peace gained from surrendering to it is one that requires us to kneel down. Peace that is exchanged by us kneeling down is not going to last, and will result in unfairness and a lack of freedom. There are already precedents in the case of Hong Kong, Xinjiang and Ukraine. So I believe it is clear what we should do. We should not stay divided.
10: Tsai has walked more than 560 miles around Taiwan. He says he has no idea how long he will stay on the road, but that he won't stop until his message is delivered across the island.
0: Still to come, a tech startup uses artificial intelligence to gather boxing stats and analyze performance. The company even says AI could eventually replace judges. And don't miss the blue supermoon tonight, a rare spectacle that only happens once in a decade. We'll be back with more soon here NTD News. Thanks for staying with us. A tech startup is hoping to use artificial intelligence in combat sports. In London, boxers got the chance to size up the new technology. NTD's Andrew Thomas steps into the ring.
2: Round one! A Danish startup has developed an AI system called Deep Strike. The software analyzes jabs, crosses, hooks, and uppercuts and how much they hurt.
5: So you give it a video feed of a boxing match, and what it's going to give you is an automated count of strikes thrown, uh, what's landed. The impact quality of the shots.
2: Amateur fighters tested Deep Strike at the Camden Boxing Club in London for the first time.
5: I think it's going to be absolutely transformative for the clubs. Every single club out there in the world will be able to provide their fighters with uh, performance analysis that for now is limited to a very small group of people. And they can stream their fights as if they had a professional TV crew right there.
2: The system displayed a list of stats. The software was also able to follow the action and show highlights between rounds.
5: Like uh, uh, this round, red was really good, so a lot of highlights from red there. And what's really, really cool is you can give it, like, say, two free cameras, static cameras and tripods. It can convert that into something that looks like a professional TV production, uh, all automated.
2: Boxing has been mired by suspicions of corruption for years. Jabber says they are being asked repeatedly whether AI could eventually replace referees and judges. The startup says the software showed it can do the job during a non-live test.
5: There's been so much talk about that, you know, oh, can we, like, use that as a referee or a judge? I mean, it's not going to be a referee. It's not going to jump into the ring with you and be like, oh, you know, break or whatever. But as a judge, in theory, yes, you could use it as a judge, though I suppose that's just very political.
2: Jabber hopes to make a beta version of their technology available to the public later this year. If all goes well, AI can be part of the future of boxing and other combat sports.
0: Freshwater may be as contaminated with microplastics as the oceans. A Geneva based nonprofit has been scouring the seas, but now the organization is turning its attention closer to home. Let's take a look.
2: One of Europe's largest bodies of fresh water is just as polluted with plastic as the world's oceans. Geneva-based OceanEye made the
8: discovery and is now looking to clean up Lake Le Mans. The order of magnitude of concentration is the same, so we found that interesting because we often have the image of the Lehman Lake as big as Alpine Lake with crystal waters, but it's not always quite the case. The founder of Oceaneye is worried that time is running out to act. Projections are quite pessimistic if we do nothing. The positive side is the collective awareness on this issue. When we began working on plastic 12 years ago, we talked about plastic particles in water. People took us for wackos, and now it is a recognized problem.
2: Microplastics come from the breakdown of various consumer and industrial plastic waste, and they're accumulating in the world's oceans.
8: We talk about several dozens of years to several hundreds of years for the deterioration of those plastics, so we need to stop this pollution upstream and downstream. Today, the consumption of plastic in Switzerland is 120 kilograms per person and per year.
2: Le Mans is the largest lake in Western Europe. The crescent-shaped basin covers 225 square miles.
0: Good sleep is all about establishing a relaxing bedtime ritual. Let's get some tips. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
3: Sleep is a dynamic, complex process. It affects every tissue, organ, and biological system in our bodies. When we sleep, we tap into our healing potential and support cellular repair. When we neglect sleep, it puts us on a fast track to burnout and chronic disease. Sleep is a critical factor for peak performance. It affects memory, productivity, immune function, and moods. Good sleep requires a consistent commitment. You'll want to start by establishing a relaxing bedtime ritual. An hour before you want to be asleep, begin your unwinding ritual. Dim the lights, limit screen time, and set an intent to gear down. A calming pre-sleep routine needs to be void of emotional stress. You'll also want to consider activities such as taking a hot bath, reading, practicing slow deep rhythmic breathing, meditating, or listening to a mindfulness app. Other tips include restricting caffeine after lunch. The lingering half of this stimulant can last for 6 hours. Alcohol may hasten sleep onset, but it disrupts sleep quality later on as the body metabolizes it. This leads to arousal and diminished deep sleep. Strive for 150 minutes of moderate-paced physical activity every week. Doing so will significantly improve your sleep quality. Relaxing exercises are okay in the evenings. Consider gentle yoga or a casual neighborhood stroll after dinner. This can ease you into a good night's sleep. Large meals or snacks close to bedtime can hinder your sleep. It can also challenge your weight management efforts. When you eat, you tell your body it needs energy to function, but eating less before bedtime tells your body there's nothing to do but relax and recharge. Exposure to morning sunlight in the first 30 minutes after waking resets your sleep-wake cycle. Likewise, dimming the lights an hour before bed lets your body know that it's almost time to get some shut-eye. And finally, avoid activities such as watching TV or surfing the internet before bed.
0: Would you like to grow a moon tree? They're just like regular trees, but grown from seeds that flew around Earth's natural satellite. NASA is inviting organizations to imply they include sycamore, sweet gum, sequoia, and pine trees. The Forest Service has germinated them into seedlings that are ready to be planted. Only organizations like schools, museums, science centers, and community groups can apply for one. They have until October 6th to do so. Moon trees have been planted before. Apollo 14 pilot Stuart Rusa brought hundreds of seeds with him on a trip to the moon in 1971. Most of the seedlings from them were planted as part of the U.S. Bicentennial celebration in 1979 stargazers rejoice. Get ready for the biggest and brightest moon of the year. Scientists call it a super blue moon, but don't expect to see the moon turning blue.
10: The moon's orbit around the Earth is not perfectly circular, it's an ellipse. So sometimes the moon will be slightly closer to the Earth than other points. And when that happens during a full moon, uh, we call it a supermoon. So when it's at its closest point, the full moon will look a little bit brighter and a little bit bigger than, than the usual full moon. Unlike the blood moon, the blue moon, they don't change colour, unfortunately. It would just look a normal full moon. Um, we call it a blue moon because uh, in, this, in this case, it's the second full moon in August. We had one on the 1st of August, so this is the, the second one. Um, in the same calendar month, and that's one of the definitions of a a blue moon.
0: The upcoming full moon is both a supermoon and a blue moon. Experts say the rare cosmic combo occurs only once a decade. Thank you for tuning in today, I'm Chris Beers.